man, is it, this is awesome. God is already at work, right? Before you even walked in the door, he's working in your life. I'm going to share a story, but you got to promise me something. You can't judge me, okay? Not, the story I'm going to share, it, I, was, I knew Jesus, but we were pretty new in our relationship. So don't, okay. So years ago, our, our, our two youngest, Jake and Ava, were real young, like newborn and a two-year-old. And I remember we put them to bed, and they were sound asleep. There was no doubt about it. So then my wife Jody and I were up in the bedroom, and we're getting ready for bed. And we're in bed, and lights are out, and, you know, kind of getting ready to drift off. And all of a sudden, there was this prominent noise downstairs. I mean, pretty prominent. And I'm like, okay, I know that's not the kids. They are definitely not out of bed. We knew that. Um, so my, my, when I heard that noise, <laughs> so my immediate response was, I shoved Jody towards the edge of the bed, and I said, go check on that. I mean, that's just, I'm a little bit self-centered in that way. And I'm just, I'm being, I, and she's like, you, you kidding me? I'm like, no, I'm not kidding at all. Go check on that noise. It scares me. But after I came to my, I'm like, okay, I am the man of this household. I will do it. So I reached under my, under my bed and I grabbed my nine, my nine iron. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't get a nine millimeter. Uh, Jody gets nervous when I have a Nerf gun. So no nine millimeter for me, but I grabbed a nine iron golf club and I start walking down the stairs, you know, very gingerly. And I'm walking down the stairs and I get to the bottom of the stairs and I turn a light on in the kitchen. And I turn the light on and standing right there, there's a man standing in the kitchen with a gun. I'm just kidding. There was no guy standing in the kitchen. <laughs> just making sure you're listening. But the noise thing was real, okay? The gun, no. So I went downstairs. I don't know. We don't know where the noise came from. But I did go downstairs. No guy there. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I don't even, what am I doing? So, um, I get, but I get down there. But what I'm saying is my initial bent is bent towards self. You know, like, go check on that. Go do that. And so we live in this world, and maybe you're like me, and you can be a little self-centered, but as the world progresses and as culture continually changes, we're really, it's really almost the, as, as bad as it's ever been when it comes to being self-centered or, or selfie-centered, should I say, right? We're, we are selfie-centered. I mean, think about this. I've shared with you before that 80% of what you and I post on social media pertains to us. It's my desires, my goals for 2020, my beautiful kids, because they're the most beautiful kids in the world, most amazing kids, and they do everything right. And, you know, it's always, it's my agenda, my political beliefs, God help us, but my, all these things, it's about me, me, me. And uh, so the 80%, that's not good. Now, they, they, studies tell us that the other 20% uh, is, is cat videos. Also not good, Okay. I did find one good cat pic, though. I got to show it to you because this is the greatest one ever. It says, and that's kind of boom. But anyway, I don't hate cats. I mean, people, I think people get mad at me for that. So anyway, but anyway, I pray, I pray for them. So uh, I don't, I'm just messing with you. But um, here's what I want you to know. In, in a selfie-centered world, in a world that, 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 that points to us, and we're, I mean, we're, we're guilty of it too, right? We take a selfie, it's like, oh, that's not the right side. Oh, let's try my good side. No, that still ain't right. 
I'm not that. I don't, I don't have two chins, do I? I mean, you know, I'll filter that. I'll crop that. I'll tweak this thing so much you won't even know it's me. This is awesome. But that's what we do. But what if, think of how your world would change. Like if we focus less on what people are thinking about how we look or people, or what, less about what people say on our Facebook and more about what God says about you in his book because he's got a lot to say about you. There's a lot of good things that he wants to do in and through you. You need to understand that and believe that. And I want to show you that. But, but we are under the content. We're so, con- like, I've read studies that today, 2020, more desperate than ever, especially our, our young, younger um, generations, millennials, right? Uh, by the way, let me help you feel old. The oldest millennial is almost 40 years old, okay? So don't think millennials, all oh, the 18-year-olds, they ain't, no. 18-year-olds are actually Gen Z, Okay, I'm here to make you feel like crap, so welcome to Meadows. So, um, so but the, 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 the millennials are almost 40. But between the millennial generation and Gen Z, and even the generation now coming up behind them, it, it, it's been more desperate for them than ever. Did you know that? They're more depressed than ever. There's more anxiety than has ever existed. Can I tell you one reason why? It's because they've grown up in a culture where it points so much to self and so much to putting ourselves on a platform. And there's so much pressure with that. But you weren't created to be the center of the story. That's why you feel that anxiety. That's why you feel that depression. That's why when you get on that social media and you, you, it's like, ugh, if I see any more of this or that, and it drains you. But you weren't created to be the center. You were created to actually have a relationship with the Father through the Son. He's the center. Okay? But we're used to saying, amen. We're used to saying, it's my way. You've heard, you've heard it? It's my way or the highway. Can I contend with you? The highway is the only way. The highway, his way, is really the best way and the only way. Would you do me a favor? Turn to two people and say, let's take the highway. Tell two people, let's take, we're going to take the highway today. Oh my gosh. God's got a word for you. In Matthew chapter 20, if you're about a Bible or you got the Bible app, go to Matthew 20, first book of the New Testament. If you don't have that, man, we'd love to give you a Bible for free. Love giving them away, but we'll have it up on the screen as well. But let me set it up for you. So Jesus is getting towards the tail end of his ministry. Like, his ministry was really only about just over three years, and, and that's crazy. But he, so he's towards the end of that, and he's been teaching people all along. But they're not even getting it. Like, even his closest disciples, they're, they're still not getting it. And it's frustrating for Jesus. So, so right before this, here's what happens. James and John, two of his closest disciples— are wanting to ask a favor. Like, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, can we, like, hang out on your right and your left? Because, you know, it's all about us. And, you know, go check on that sound. Um, so it's all about us. And, and but the funniest thing about this story, they send their mommy in to ask Jesus, like, what is wrong with us? Like, I'll make my kids. We go to the restaurant. I tell my kids, go ahead and order your meal, right? It's always fun and precious at the same time. It, but it, I love, Jake does safety patrol, sixth grade. So sometimes... Parents will call us and say, hey, can Jake cover for safety patrol for, who knows, for Michael because we can't make it. And I love that, but I love it even better when the kids call because some of the moms and dads, I bet they say, all right, you want someone to cover you? You call them. And sometimes that happens, and it's good and bad because I'll get messages on my phone because Jake don't have a phone. Praise God, right, Jake? You don't need one of those. But I got a phone, and they call me, and here's what I'll get for a message from the kid. Hi, um, 
can Jake cover me for safety patrol? Thanks, click. I'm like, okay, who is that? And uh, I can't even tell if it's a boy or girl. I mean, sixth grade. And uh, I don't know who you are. Can Jake cover you when? Like tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, next week? But uh, you know what? I digress. I'm just, I'm proud of him for making the call. We call him back. We get it figured out, don't we? we? We work through it. But I love that they just take initiative. James and John? No, no, no. Mom, ask Jesus. Well, Jesus gets asked that question about them sitting on the right and the left in the kingdom. And Jesus is like, oh my gosh. All right. All right, back to square one. Guys, everybody sit down. I've been talking for three years, but I need to cast some vision again. Here we go, Matthew 20. Jesus says, guys, among you, it'll be different, okay? Among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must, say must, such a big word, must, it's not optional, right? It's, it's not a choice here. You must be a servant, Whoever wants to be first, like you're asking, you must become a slave and be last. For even me, Jesus Christ, the son of a living God, the son of man, came not to be served, but to serve others and give my life as a ransom for many. Oh my gosh. So Jesus Christ, perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God, if anybody could have somebody serve them and deserve it, be put on a pedestal and have somebody take care of them and deserve it, it'd be Jesus. But he does the exact opposite. And this is why so many people in this day, even especially the people closest to Jesus, like his friends and his family, they didn't believe he was any Messiah. Nothing special about him. Dude, he's, he's lowly servant. He's no Messiah. Son of a carpenter from no man's land, Nazareth. Nothing special about this guy. But there was something special about him. You're going to hear more about him in just a bit. It, it, it's, so this theme about Jesus telling others it's not about you. It's about you elevating others and serving them. It's not just in Matthew 20, what I just read to you. It's throughout the entire scriptures. Like a few chapters later in Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to the religious people. Oh, by the way, if you're new to Meadows Church, number one, welcome home. We love you. God loves you more. I'm so blessed and glad that you're here. Number two, we're not a religious organization, just so you know. I know that we like to connotate religion with church, but Jesus didn't. Jesus got over the, he, he got on the religious people more than anybody else. Do you know why? He was all about relationships. They were about rules. He was about love. They were about looking good on the outside. Jesus says, how do you look on the inside? See, that's what I'm concerned about. And if I'm honest with you, my inside, some days they don't look real good. That's why I need Jesus. Maybe you do too. But Jesus says to them, don't be like these Pharisees. Don't be like these religious people. And then he says in Matthew 23, 11, he says it again. The greatest among you must, say must, says it again, be a servant. He, you see, if we say that we're a follower of Jesus, and by the way, if you're not a follower of Jesus, thank you for being here today. If you don't know what you believe, or maybe you don't believe in God, and you're here today, I'm thankful that you're here. I, if you have questions, let us know. I'm just glad you're here. But, but, but if I, I, I say I'm a follower of Christ, but if I don't want to live like Jesus lived, something's wrong, right? Jesus is so clear about this, and it brings us to the main point. Boy, it's simple and to the point, too. I hope you write it down. To live like Jesus means to serve like Jesus. And that's it. To live like Jesus, sometimes we want to complicate it. We want to make it, you know, 14 points about how to do No. To live like Jesus means to serve like Jesus. It doesn't get more, but it's so countercultural. Even in the church, even in the church, it's countercultural, I'm telling you. I talk to people all the time, and I don't, but we, we call it church shopping, 
And I get that you're gonna, sometimes you get called to a different church. I get that. And I'm proud of those families that do that because they're looking for a church. They want a church family. But even the fact that I'll say church shopping, it's, it's a consumeristic mindset. And sometimes people will talk to me and they're like, oh, I went to a church a couple months ago and, you know, I, 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 the kids' ministry, it just everything else was good, but the, I didn't like the kids' ministry. Okay. Well, then we tried the, a church the next week and, you know, um, kids' ministry was good, but no one talked to us. Okay, no one was talking to me. And then there was the one church, that first Christian church, the pastor's always saying, turn to your neighbor and say something. I don't want to turn to my neighbor and say anything. I don't like my neighbor. Talk, tell me to talk to somebody. And then, and then there was the one, and everything was so good, the worship music was feeding my soul and taking care of me. But then the people next to me are all like, doing this kind of, I don't know if he's like having a seizure or washing windows or what he's doing, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. You're like, why are they raising their hands and doing this and that? I never dreamed I'd raise my hand in worship. Dude, I grew up Catholic. You don't move in church, okay? My mom will swamp me alongside the head. You know, but, but this... <laughs> I, th this brings up a point that we need to talk about before I move forward. Because you need to know something. There's different, there's different levels of like praise and worship and these hands things that you might see. Like with me, I never dreamed I'd raise a hand. I told you that. But you know where it started? I started doing the flappy bird. Can I show you what the flappy bird is really quick? So I never dreamed. Because I'd stand there just like you, maybe you stand there. And I'm like, yeah, it's all right. You know, cool rock band. We're kind of weird being in church, but whatever. And pretty soon I start doing the flappy bird. I'm like, yeah, it was pretty good. And I'm, I'm like preparing for takeoff. I don't know what's happening right now. But I'm like, yeah. And as soon as I graduated, and some of you, you know what level you're at. And there's different levels. You can't just go from here to here. You'll hurt yourself, okay? So you got to, it's a progression that you got. So you start with the flappy bird. But pretty soon the Spirit of the Lord takes over. And all of a sudden, oh, no. Now I'm carrying my big screen TV. Oh, Jesus. The Lord is moving, and then you move to this level, but, but the Holy Spirit keeps moving in you, and you're like, you can't stop at the big screen TV. Pretty soon it's like, oh, Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, I caught a fish this big, and it was so amazing. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's like, oh, Holy Spirit taking over, and pretty soon you come to the point where poems are up again, and you're like, oh, my gosh, hold my baby. Hold my baby, Jesus, because I can't worship unless you hold my baby. And, and as soon as you get past this, be careful. You could, yeah, I mean, this is not, don't do this at home. But you're hold, hold my baby, and all of a sudden you progress to Mufasa and Jesus, Lord, Savior, Holy Spirit, you start speaking in tongues of Kunamatata. Yeah. And, and now there's only three places you can go after this, okay? Say three. Three places you can go. One is here, and you move from the Mufasa to the YMCA, and you're like, yes, Jesus, the YMCA. You're Christ, Messiah, amazing YMCA. I love you so much. Only two places you can go that the Holy Spirit will take you from the YMCA. Next, his hands clenched together, and all of a sudden, you become the undisputed champ of the world, Rocky Balboa. Jesus Christ, you are the King. You are the Lord. One place you go. Only a fraction of the world's ever made it to this place, okay? And from the Rocky Balboa, yo, Andrea, from the Rocky Balboa, you know where you go? You go to the 20, you go to the 15, you go to the 10, you go to the 5, touchdown, Jesus Christ, he's in this place. Yes, thank you, very there. I don't know where you're at. I just hurt myself. So there's, there's, I don't, just get off track sometimes. Anyway, what was I talking about? Um, <laughs> You can't go from here, Casey, you'll die if you do that, okay? It, it, you'll, you'll pull a hernia. So um, listen to me. People will say, 
I just can't find a church that will meet my needs. Listen to me. I understand you need to find a church that resonates. I get it. Like, if, if, if it's totally not you, you're, that's not going to be your church home. You need to kind of resonate with the pastor and the preaching, and I get that. But to say that you're looking for some perfect church, good luck. Or a church that's just going to meet my needs. That, honestly, that's a very unbiblical statement. I just need a church that will meet my needs. Think about what we're saying there. See, we, don't, we weren't meant to just go to church to be taken care of. Ultimately, we're meant to be the church, give our lives away for something greater than ourselves. That's what the church is. And that's what I want you to know. I get it may not happen like that, but it should progressively happen. To live like Jesus means we serve like Jesus. Our primary purpose is what? To glorify God. To live for him. This is the purpose of the church. It's so beautiful. I ain't saying it's easy. Jesus never called people to easy. One of my favorite scriptures, he says in, in Luke 9, 23 and 24, we'll put it up. Jesus yells to the crowd. And he says, if any of you wants to be my follower. Mm, here we go. You must. Say must. It's the third time. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to keep your life or hold on to it for yourself, you're going to lose it. You're going to miss out. But if you give your life up for me, you will find true life. It's so, again, against the culture. But I'm telling you, when you move from me to he, from your way to the highway. But the world's different. And I understand that. And that's why we speak to it. Because God calls us, you and I, to be different. Because he's got something, he has something in store for you. That's why you're here today. But the world, the world is like, you know what? You want it now? Click now. You deserve it. Do that. Now I know you, I know you made an oath and you made a commitment. But if they're not making you happy, move on. Right? Ain't no one can judge you. Can't judge me. No one can judge you. Right? All that matters is that you love who you are. When we start having that mindset, I, I wrote it down. When we start believing that, especially as a church, looking at me now too, we're catering to the theology of people's desires and ultimately we'll cater to sin. Now that sounds a little weird, but we can't do it. We need to be God-centered in theology, not people-centered. And it's such a beautiful thing. But our commitment, say commitment. Our commitment to Christ must take precedence over the culture. It has to. It has to. Now look, now look at me. It's hard for me because you think I want to preach and have people come? You bet I do. You think as the pastor and the leader and I, I get to raise up other leaders, you think we want to have influence on people's lives? Definitely for the kingdom. But, but, but it, it's a fine line. So I, do I want to encourage you and, and lift you up and inspire you and motivate? Yes, of course. We have the greatest news in the world. Why wouldn't we do that? But yet are we going to preach the whole context? Jesus said, you must turn from your selfish ways. You must live for me and not for you. And ultimately, why is he saying that? Because he wants something from you? Nope. It's because he has something for you. It's so amazing. But it's so hard sometimes to grasp I want meadows to grow. I hope you do too. I hope you want to grow. You're metal. You're the church. You should want to grow spiritually in your home, in your family, with your kids, whatever. 
Jesus wants this church to grow. I'll guarantee you that. I'll talk to some pastor. He's got a church of six people. And that, I'm not saying that's bad. But to be six people 20 years later, I think that's bad. See, I don't think Jesus died on a cross for his church not to grow. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Okay? Might start with six. Might start with two. That's fine. But ultimately, if we just grow as a church, and we are, which is awesome, but if we just grow in numbers, but we don't grow as people, what is the point? Like, if we fill seats, but we don't ultimately take what we're hearing from God to the streets, does it even matter? This is what I'm wondering. This is what I'm asking you. I'm not wondering, actually. I know the answer to this. Jesus says, if you lose your life, you'll find it. I know when people don't take next steps towards their walk with Jesus, ultimately what will happen is they will disengage, right? If they don't engage, but you disengage, you do. And you might leave in 10 weeks, 10 months, 10 years, I don't know, but you will because you're not engaging. And you might not even know why. You'll be like, oh, pastor wasn't resonating with me. Oh, I just grew out of that church or whatever. But if you never engaged, I'll tell you, you weren't made, you weren't created to be focused on self. You're created to be focused. You're made in the image of God. So if you're creating the image of God and you're not serving or you're not giving or you're not just being other focused like Jesus was, ultimately you're the one who will be hurt. And that's what happens. And people don't catch that. I, uh, Jesus drew a crowd. I mean, I think that's fair to say, right? Jesus, where he went, he drew a crowd. I mean, when he, the five loaves and two fish, maybe you've heard this story, it wasn't just 5,000, that was the men. The women and children would have been 15, 20,000 people. Thousands of, but Jesus wasn't impressed with the size of the crowd. He never was. You know what he cared about? Their level of commitment. That's what he cared about. He had no problem drawing a crowd. I mean, Jesus, when he started preaching, his insta blew up. I'm not kidding you. Blue, check mark, verified. It, was, it took no time at all. But if you read scripture, do you know how and why that was happening? A lot of it. People were coming to get, get something. And that's not, I mean, I get it. You need help and you, you have seasons. But ultimately, that's all you come for. Look what happened. What, Jesus fed people last night? Dang. Where's he preaching tomorrow? What's on the menu? What, buffet? I'm there. I'm, sign me up. What, Jesus healed your daughter? Dang, my kid's been puking for three days. Where's Jesus at? I gotta go find him. Jesus turned water into wine? Honey, grab that case of water. We gotta go find Jesus. It's happy hour somewhere, baby. Come on. You know what I'm saying? We, we, come on, Jesus. What can you do for us? But here's what happened. As Jesus preached and got closer to the cross, guess what happened? The crowds got thinner. Isn't that something? You know, at the end of Jesus' ministry, no one was following him. And he's Jesus, the greatest teacher, pastor, preacher ever. But, but, but the invitation, as you press into Jesus, it changes. I don't want to scare you off or anything, but right away when he called people out, he said, hey, come on, let's go. But as he walks through his life and through those three years, pretty soon the invitation as they grew, because you want to grow. Jesus didn't want to leave them in the shallow water. Jesus wanted them to grow in the deep. Because it's in the deep where you find purpose. It's in the deep where you grow. It's in the deep where you change. It's in the deep where you get stretched. It's in the deep where Jesus will meet you and not only meet you, but bring you through greater than you've ever been before. That's what the deep does. That's why Jesus said, you know what? It's not just come and go, all right. He said, let's, let's come and die. And that's not as attractive. And when Jesus started preaching like that, they're like, you know what? I was just looking for the KFC. Um, you know, I, we're good. We're good, Jesus. You know, we're just trying to, you know, enjoy some some wine, but if this is what you're calling us to, no thank you. And the crowds would diminish 
But Jesus' mission never did. I love when we do baptism. Do you know what scripture I think of every time? Galatians 2.20. This, I hope it hits you like it hits me. My old self has been crucified with Christ. Okay, that doesn't sound really fun, but it's actually going to give you more life than you've ever had. Because Christ in you, him living in and through you, you'll do more than you can dream or imagine. That's the purpose. That's the goal. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Jesus Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, trusting in the Son of God. He's inside of me. See, that's what that when you surrender to Christ, the Holy Spirit enters into you. It's, it's physically, that happens. Changes you. Changes you. I tell people, if, you're, if your salvation hasn't changed you, it probably hasn't saved you. Okay? It will change you. It, it, it cannot not change you who loved me and gave himself to me. In other words, if I have been crucified with Christ, it's no longer my way, it's the highway. And that's not easy. That's why when he said in Luke 9, 23, pick up your cross daily, you know why I believe he said daily? Because he knows we're gonna set it down. He does. He knows we're human. He knows we're fallen. He knows we get selfish. He knows we get crazy. Are you crazy? I'm crazy. Tell you, turn to your neighbor and just tell him I'm crazy. Okay, just admit it. Man, don't act like you got it all together. I know who you are. So... I, I, um, it's no longer my way, but it's Jesus's way. I want to uh, invite Stacy to come up to the stage for a second. Sometimes I think it's good to hear things from the pastor, obviously, but man, when I bring somebody up and they're, they're like you sitting in the seats right now, just want to get a word from God. Um, I asked Stacy to come up, um, because God has done so much, so much in so many of your lives. Hey, Stace. So... But Stacy's family, they've been coming, I mean, pretty, I mean, pretty close to when we launched, I think. Oh, you know what? Will you grab that mic? I'll grab you that mic. Thank you. Yeah, I so, think it was the third week. Third week? Yeah. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't have to pray very long to say, I want to ask Stacy some questions because Stacy and her family... I've watched them take steps, steps that, that I, I love because I know God is at work. And when God's at work doing something in somebody's lives, I want people to hear it and know about it. So Stacy, obviously, your family's been coming, engaged, a lot of life changes happened in your family. One of them is that you're serving, yes. I mean, your daughters, and it's pretty incredible. So Stacy serves in our nursery. It's our zero to two-year-olds. And, and she, so she serves a service and she attends a service. We always say a battery can't put out what it does not have. So we soak it in. Ah, Jesus, that's good stuff. And then we pour it out, you know? So you've been doing that. But my first question I put down, I said, well, first I asked how long you were attending Meadows before you start serving in the kids' ministry. Do you remember that? Yeah. How long was it? A long time. <laughs> well, okay, good, good reason. Super good reason. Oh, um, you only had one service. Yeah, we did. We started with one service. And so at the time, um, so a couple years ago, 27 years of marriage to that guy out there. Yeah. Amen. Um, <laughs> yeah, give it up. That's awesome. But he didn't like going to church. So um, he went, I think he would admit, like, obligation. Yeah. Uh, duty. It's, you know, when we had little ones, help me get the kids. And we have three kids. So that kind of thing. And... When we started going here, um, he wanted to go to church. 
and he was growing in his faith for the first time. And, and I prayed about it for you know, 27 years of marriage that I, I would have a husband that would want to go to church with me. And so um, I certainly didn't want to risk him not going to church. So I, you know, didn't serve yep. <laughs> until yep. the two services and immediately after the two services that I I love I, that. I immediately. Up. And so we went to two services. You start serving in the kids ministry. Um, that's what prompted you. I, I, I just said right away, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Because when it comes to serving, you just said, you attend a service, you serve a service, that's Sunday morning. That's a Sunday morning. <laughs> so a lot of people, you know, people sitting out here listening to you, they're going to be like, well, you know, I'm, we're all busy, right? Yeah. We're busy. We got lives. We got a lot going on. And, uh, but I always say we always, got, we, can, we have enough time to do everything God has called us to do. And I think sometimes in my life, I do things that God doesn't call me to do. And that, that busies my schedule. So I always have to ask myself, God, you want the, are, you, are you saying yes to this or no or whatever? But, but let's talk about that elephant because I think they would say, you know, yeah, I get serving, but I just don't have the time. Um, I mean, aren't there weekends? And I, I tell Stacy, be real, say whatever you want, which scares me. But uh, I said, aren't there weekends where you think about the nursery and you're like, oh, I got to be at Meadows all Sunday morning again, and you got to serve in the nursery, and maybe you're remembering that blowout from the, the week before. In fact, we got a picture of it right here. That was, I'm sorry. But I'm just kidding. That is not our church, okay? That does not happen at Meadows Church. Okay, take that down. That's disgusting. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. What was wrong with me? So, that is not, that doesn't happen in the nursery, never. does it? Never. 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 Your kids are so perfect. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, so, but what would you, like, you're a mom. You already said that. You're a wife. You have kids in high school. You have kids out of school. You have a full-time job, um, married. So it's not like you're sitting around just like twiddling your thumbs, wondering what to do. So how, how aren't there days you're just like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be there. I'm just too busy. Speak into that just for a little bit. Well, <laughs> honestly, I love serving so much. I don't have those feelings. I think maybe um, the first few weeks, when I started serving. Maybe adjusting to it? Yeah, leaving the house before nine, and sometimes, depending on how much this guy talks. <laughs> I'm not back home until one o'clock. So yeah, that does kind of wipe out. But I think what I've done personally in my life is try to develop a new mindset of, it's not an option. Um, like. I never binge watch Netflix and then the next morning say, I'm just not going to go to work today. I'm kind of tired. Or, God, it's raining out, so eh, I'm not going to take my kids to practice. We just don't do that. It's not an option. So I think because with church, you know, you don't take attendance. We don't have to call the pastor and tell him we're not coming. Praise God. <laughs> that might work, though. <laughs> Maybe. I'll pray about that. Um, so it's just, for me, it was a mindset of saying, you know, this is not an option. I, I, need, I need to serve. I want to serve. I'm going to serve. And, and uh, a routine now, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. This is what I do on Sundays. And you said a few times, it's not an option. Like Jesus said, must. I mean, must. But what Jesus understands is you should be getting something from it. Like, and my last question for you really is, how has, I mean, how's your perspective of church changed? Um, I mean, because now you're not only going, but you're being. Um, and how has it impacted you personally? Just speaking to that. Okay, well, um, I think the major change from attending and now attending and serving is that I, you know, I attended church, great, 
But now this is my church and this is my church family. I just feel so much more connected. I see, you know, Jackie out there and Shelly and Amberly. Like I know these people and, um, uh, you know, it's cool to turn and high five three people or whatever. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. But, but I know these people and it is my church. And uh, Ooh, I love that. My yeah, church. It is my, yeah. My I church. Feel, yeah. I don't just go to this church. This is my church. I yeah. want you to go to my church. That's ownership. There's a difference between membership and ownership. I love that. You're an owner. Yeah. I mean, it's your church. It's your ministry. Those are your people. Those are your, those, I mean, that was your, I mean, that wasn't yours, but yeah. So, so lastly, for the, pe- the person out there, they're, they're not engaged right now. They're not serving, uh, whatever. What are they, what would you say to them? I mean. Serve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's not I, just because the no. church says you need to serve. I mean, I want people to know the benefits and what you're getting from it and the impact that you're making. Well, like I said, I feel like I feel so much more connected that I serve the people that I've gotten to know. Um, and it just, you know, even he said my 17-year-old and my 25-year-old, they, they are serving as well. I, I didn't force, they're older. I didn't force them to, but... Um, sure you can. They, well, <laughs> they committed. Watching that they have a heart for serving too just kind of melts my heart. And, and I, you know, like... Every time I leave on a Sunday, walking out, either Shelly or Bethany or Jody, thank you for serving. I'm just like, no, thank you for allowing me to serve. You know, it sounds mm. cheesy, but it's just, it's been, yeah, it's so rewarding. So, I love yeah, it. serve. I love it. Would you give it up for Stacy? just coming up, sharing a little bit of her heart? I'm so proud of you, Stacy. Thank you so much for owning the church, for being the church. I love that. It's just, I think it's powerful to hear it from somebody else. I mean, I only had to pay Stacy $200 to do that, so that's not bad. So Stacy's like, you did? I don't see that money. So I want to close and tell you something. Stacy kind of sent me, I sent her some questions so she could kind of prepare so she knows what's coming. And she sent back just a summary of what she shared. And, and, and I read it, and you know, she didn't share some of that stuff, like the my and the ownership. I love that. But I, I remember reading it, I'm thinking to myself, she is impacting lives when she's watching your babies or your toddlers or we're, we're taking care of whatever area we're taking care of for you. You can be impacted in a way that God can change your life forever. See, that's what happened to me, and that's why I love so much our dream teams, our serving teams. When I got saved 12 years ago at a place called Celebrate Church, um, coming off reeling from a drug addiction that wanted to kill me and my family and everybody around me, it's just a dis- trail of destruction that I allowed to happen. And I go to church, and I, like, like many of you, you know what? I had a consumer mindset. I don't mean that in a bad way like many of you. I mean, like, I, I just wasn't thinking about giving anything. I, I felt like I had nothing to give. And I don't know if I did at that point. So Jody and I, Jody, I mean, Jake was, you were like zero years old, Jake. That is, a, I mean, you were like maybe two months or something. But you were a brand new baby. Ava was two. So we literally checked them into the kids' ministry, the nursery. And my mindset was, okay, I'm going to go get some free coffee. And then I'm going to get a free church donut because how many of you know that church donuts, they're blessed by God, calorie-free, praise Jesus Christ. Come on. You know? I mean, so I, I but I, that's right. And then I'd come and I would sit and I'd listen. And I'd be like, oh, that's so good. And I'd go and I'd, I'd you know, we'd pick up our kids and uh, we'd just go on with our day. And we just kept doing that for months and months and months. And I think for a season, we just had to. That's where we were at. One day, we checked him in. I, it was like, it was no different than any other day. I got my coffee. I got my donut. I went into service. Jake and Ava were terrorizing the nursery, I'm sure of it. And we're sitting there in the spirit of the Lord, like, I don't want to get charismatic, but literally fell on me. And I don't, 
They say a picture's worth a thousand words. You know, they showed a picture of Christ on the cross. I've been crucified with Christ. And I remember, I knew, listen to me, I believed in Jesus all my life. I wasn't following Jesus. There's a difference. There is a difference. The devil believes in Jesus. Demons believe in Jesus. I believed in him. I hadn't surrendered. I was living my will my way. It wasn't losing my life. I wanted my life. I wanted my way. It wasn't the highway. It was my way. And that day I, I looked at that, that picture and I just was overcome with what I believe was the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I surrendered my life. I remember saying, I'll give my life to this. They had no idea what it meant. And after that, I went and picked up our kids from the nursery. But that Monday, I called the church because I knew something had to change. And I called the church and they brought me in and they, you know what they pointed me to? Serving. First thing they did, looking back, it makes perfect sense. I mean, okay, you have, you have Christ inside of you now? Well, Jesus served, you should probably serve. And I did, and I started serving in the kids' ministry myself. But what, what, what hit me in preparing for this message this week, and I don't, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna put my kids on the spot, but I'm gonna ask Jake and Ava to just come up here for a second because I always, I, it's pivotal to me because when Jody and I and our marriage started to get resurrected was when they started getting checked into a kids' ministry and Jake, like I said, you were a newborn. Ava, you were too. I, I wonder if you were with me, nothing against you two, but if you would have been with me in here when that picture came up, I don't know that the Holy Spirit would have fell on me like that. I might have been, you know, getting Cheerios out of your mouth or chasing you around or changing a blowout. I don't know. But I, I, I just think about that. I think I'm so grateful for that dream team there for that serving team that were loving my kids and taking care of them. Not only, but what I didn't see coming after my, I, I surrendered my life to Christ, what I didn't see coming, say I didn't see it. I didn't see it. What I didn't see coming was, a, 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 fast forward a few years and I kept serving and all of a sudden Ava, Ava you, at about I think seven years old in the kids ministry with the dream team leaders leading you to Jesus you surrendered your life to Christ in the kids' ministry with the dream team leaders. Your dad, I don't, I, I don't take credit for I hope I tried to model it, but I, don't, I didn't lead you to Jesus that day. The dream team did. And after you were led to Christ, and I was still kind of a baby Christian myself, Ava and I got to do something pretty cool together, which I'll never forget, but we, we got baptized together. And it was truly amazing. And it changed my life. And I'm so grateful. Like, I'm so grateful. Look at that. You can look at it. Like, remember that? Do you? Yeah. I don't even remember that, but it was amazing. <laughs> I love you, sweetie. So the dream team led her to Christ, just like they're leading kids to Christ today. Jake, a few years after that, you were getting raised up, and you, just like your sister, it wasn't because your dad was some great server or some great Christian. I don't, I don't think I was. I wasn't really probably being a great dad at this point. But I was smart enough to bring you to church. I knew that much. And I was smart enough to point you to a people that loved you like I loved you. And in the kids' ministry, with dream team members, servers, volunteers, loving my children while I and Jody got to work on our marriage and, and build each other up and love each other, Jake would give his life to Christ in the church kids' ministry. And uh, what, six months after that, I had the privilege of baptizing you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So why I share that with you is this. Look at the joy on his face. The joy of the Lord is my strength.
the dream team has changed our life. My wife serves on the check-in team. My kids, not only were they saved in the kids' ministry, now they serve in the kids' ministry. So they serve, Jake serves in the nursery alongside Stacy, and Ava serves in the preschool, loving kids and pointing them to Christ. And listen to me, it's, it's our whole morning, and it's not because I'm a pastor, it's just what we do. This is what we do. Jake wanted to wrestle, we don't wrestle this year because wrestling impact, it fell on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's youth night in church. And we just won't compromise, we just won't do it because God is too important. His purpose for, for your life is too important, Jake, and you, Ava, and Jody, and our family, and for you. Give it up for them, would you, one more time? They get a little nervous when dad brings them up. I love you guys, you can sit down. I don't know where my life would be today if I wasn't told to serve that day and I wasn't pressed to lead. I can tell you this, I don't believe we'd be meeting here today. I don't, I don't know that Meadows would exist. If I, wasn't, if I wasn't told and showed in scripture how Jesus lived, and then, and then someone pressured me and said, you know what, you should do that. Because if they don't, if they don't tell, I'm gonna, I will take the easy road. I told you, the, the biggest temptation for you and I is to do what's easy rather than what's right. My question for you is, what is God calling you to do? I'll, I'll be more specific. Where is God calling you to serve? I wrote this down. Today, everybody here, you have a choice in the story that you will tell. More importantly, the story that others will tell about you. And, and at the end of the day, or at the end of the season, or at the end of life, they're not going to talk about your resume all that much. Or even hobbies. And I'm not against having a great job. You should. And I'm not against hobbies. Those are awesome. But I'm telling you, God has something for you. The dream teams that I'm talking about, those are serving teams. Many of you are on those. Thank you for giving your life away. I always say it. If I don't show up for a Sunday morning, church will still happen. God's word's still gonna go forth. If our dream team don't show up, we are in big trouble, big trouble. I'm asking, where is God calling you to serve? I'm asking you, write it down. I'll even be more bold and tell you there are dream team cards in the packets on those chairs in front of you, blue cards. I pray that you'll grab one and fill it out today. I'm not saying that because I want something from you. I'm saying it because God has something for you. And for those of you that you might say the biggest thing is time, Stacy spoke into it so, so awesomely. You have enough time to do everything God has called you to do. I promise you. Talk to people on dream teams. Ask them. Don't ask me. Ask them. Why you do it? What's it doing for you? Is it helping you? Is it helping your family? I guarantee I already know the answer. But people need to be pressed. I want to press you. I want it because I know that God has, oh, he has so much in store for you. But you have the time. And you may say, well, I don't have the talent. Listen to me. Noah built an ark, right? It wasn't, it wasn't Noah's talent that built the ark. It was the fact that he said yes. See, God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. And when, when you say yes, to the highway, to his way, instead of your way, lives will be changed forever, starting with yours. Starting with yours. I don't know what you're gonna do for the next 10 seconds, but I'm gonna give God some praise up in this place, because I think God's awesome. Can you shout about Jesus? Can you shout about him? Can you shout about him? I love my Lord. He's got something for you, and for you, and for you. I wanna praise my God, and I wanna see his church move. I want to see it so bad. We're most like Jesus when we're serving. Bottom line. 
We're most like Jesus when we're serving. So let's close where we started. The very first words you heard that Jesus spoke today in Matthew 20, if you don't remember what they were, what they were, I'll tell you. Jesus said, among you, it will be different. Remember? Sat him down, said, you guys are off again. Among you, it will be different. My question is, will it? Because the world is going to come clamoring. And what the world is going to tell you is this. You want joy? You'll find joy when others give to you. You'll find your purpose when others serve you. But yet Jesus would say the opposite. Jesus would say, you'll find joy when you give. Purpose will be revealed when you serve. You know you have a purpose, right? I said you know you have a purpose, right? You do. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Do you know why? So that you could make a difference. Shout if you want to make a difference. I hope you mean it. I do. Look up here. I love you. God loves you. That gospel that hit me that day when I saw that picture worth a thousand words, it's the same gospel for you today. And some of you, you're where, you're where I was. You're, you believed in Jesus. Great. That's where it's got to begin there. It has to. Okay? You believe that he was a dead on a cross for your sins. You believe in the resurrection, the foundation of Christianity, that he rose from the dead three days later, defeating sin, defeating death, offering you new life, and you can have it. It's available. His grace is free. You can sell out to him. Ask the Holy Spirit to enter into you and make you new. He wants to do it. But make no mistake, he wants a full-on surrender. God, have all of me. Will you give him all of you? You've been holding back parts and pieces. No more holding out. No more holding back. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. We did this last week, and I want to do it again. It was so powerful. So during our final worship song, we're going to play, and the, the prayer team is going to be up here. And I'm going to ask something of you. I'm going to ask... Not, not just for prayer, that's one reason you might want to come up. But there's prayer. You might want to come up and just worship your Lord up. You might want to come to the altar and just kneel and pray. You might want to come to the altar and say, I surrender everything to you. And you may, you, I don't know what it is. But as, as the rest of the band comes up here, we're going to play a song called Come to the Altar. And as you soak these words in, my prayer for you is two things. That you know that your Father in Heaven loves you. He knows all the things you've done. He loves you. He knows all the things that you're going to do. He loves you. It's why he sent Jesus. But he has more for you. He has more for you. So again, why would I come up to the stage? Why would I come to the altar? Well, you'd come up to the altar when the, when the music begins for a few reasons. You need prayer. You just want to worship your Lord. You just want to fall on your knees. We don't always do this. In fact, this is the first time we've ever done it like this. So if you're new, I believe you picked an awesome weekend to come to church. And you don't have to do any of that. You can just stay in your seats if you want. I just want you to be obedient to what God is telling you to do. But I just want, to, I want this place to be bathed in prayer and the Holy Spirit because he, has, he wants to move in you today. He moved in me a day I never dreamed he would. And the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. I, he is in this place. I pray that there's people in here that you're going to move from believing to following. There's a, there's a chasm of a difference. Father, thank you so much 
for your truth and your word. Jesus Christ, you came to serve. I, 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 can't even, I can't even wrap my head around that, knowing you are a king of every king and a Lord of all lords. You are it. And all you did was give your life away. And you invite us to do the same. And like Stacy shared, when we do that, it, it, it's amazing what you'll do through us. That because when we step up, lives will be changed. People will be saved. Addictions will be broken. Marriages restored. Gates of hell pushed back. And kingdom ground taken for, the, for you, King. For you, Jesus. It's all for you. God, I pray that during this closing song, people will do what you tell them to do. If you tell them to come forward for prayer, they'll do it. You tell them to come surrender everything at the altar, they'll do it. You tell them to come kneel before you, they'll do it. You tell them to raise a hand, a hallelujah, they'll do it. Because we want to be obedient to what you're telling us to do. Because if we do that, well, you'll, you'll change the world, starting with us and our world. We love you, Father. We thank you so much for your truth and your love. And we're never going to stop declaring that in your name, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, Amen.